Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. So this week on the podcast, we have Allie joining us, and she's got a pretty neat little farm with some unique features to it as far as what they offer that I'm pretty interested to hear about. She is not organic certified, but they raise following organic principles. She's super passionate about the markets that they go to that, you know, Allie and I were talking offline. She's kind of the face of the farm with her husband taking some of the charge, she takes other charge. It sounds like they have a really nice kind of flow going with what their operation is. And they do it all around a day job for both of them, which makes it a little more impressive to me that she's got the time to do all of the stuff they're doing, do the markets, et cetera. So let's get to know Allie. Allie, welcome to the podcast. If you would take a few minutes right. to introduce yourself and tell us more about your farm, your farm name, what it is you guys are doing, how long you've been at it, etc. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, my name's Allie Healy Howard. Um, I am one half of Post Street Farm in Franklin Springs, New York. Um, we're right outside the village of Clinton. Um, we are in the Mohawk Valley or central New York. We serve the greater Utica area, um, even the greater Syracuse area. We have a lot of people coming from both ends there. We primarily grow produce, um, specializing in high rotation crops, such as lettuce. Um, our mixed greens are our most popular product. So we put a lot of care into our lettuces. Um, we also have a flower operation. So we do cut flowers. Um, everything that you know does well in our zone because our zone is 5B. Um, we don't get a ton of perennials, but we do specialize in some perennials and a lot of annuals. Um, and we currently are renting land um, on Post Street, hence the name Post Street Farm. Um, we are actually using our entire front yard right now. Um, we used a, a silage tarp to kill off our grass um, because we use uh, no-till practices um, and we really want to take good care of our soil. We don't use any pesticides. We don't spray um, no chemicals involved at all. We use the tarp to kill off the grass and we actually turned um, the plot on the side of our house and the front of our house um, primarily into our lettuce garden. Um, so some people have nice green grass in their front yards. And we have rows of lettuces growing currently. Um, mm -hmm. And then down the street, we have our flower patch. Um, it's about a quarter of an acre. Um, and that's where I grow all of the flowers that we bring to market. We also offer event flowers. I'm doing my first big wedding in August that I'm really excited about. Um, and then we also have two caterpillar tunnels, um, where we grow a lot of crops like, uh, tomatoes and cucumbers, um, to protect them, uh, from frost so we can have them later in the season. And then actually this year we, um, got some new land just five minutes away from us. That's technically, um, in the town of Marshall, we're in the town of Kirkland, um, but it's in Deansboro, so just five minutes from us, but um, we established a greenhouse up there and it's a 36 by 96, I believe, greenhouse um, where we have all sorts of crops growing in there that my husband manages, but I also help manage too. And that's where all of our seedlings are. Um, so we've only been doing this since... Uh, 2021 was our first year of market farming. Um, we've been growing our own food since 2019. That's why we have 2019 on our logo. Um, 
So we've always been interested in growing our own food and growing food for our community because we have always had this cute little roadside stand that people love to stop at. Um, the Kirkland Town Park is just up the street from us. So we have nice traffic coming to and from the park that people love to stop at our roadside stand, get some flowers, get some produce. Um, but then we expanded into markets because I think, you know, after the first year of the pandemic in 2020, we really took a, a hard look at what we were doing as far as our occupations go, um, but also what really motivated us and what we're really passionate about. And for my husband, you know, he was doing um, construction at the time and he wasn't fully you know, that was like a good, a good day job for him, but that wasn't what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. Um, so we really took a big leap into market farming. And then my part of the farm is the flowers. I've always wanted to grow my own flowers. I've always wanted to sell flowers, make bouquets. Um, I used to, you know, plant annuals with my mom when I was younger and I always thought that was fun, but also, you know, she's always had a special place in her heart for gladiolas and peonies and all, all those beautiful flowers. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a journalist by trade by day. Um, and I focus primarily on social media. So I initially used my expertise in that field to help our farm grow and then obviously got into the flower business and have just learned so much over the past, uh, this is our third year um, market farming. And I should also say that we farm on less than two acres of land. I wanna say like we're about at one and a half right now in total, but because our crops are so high rotation, we keep it small because we keep it manageable, but also that's really all we need um, to grow on. Yeah, I was wondering as you were describing like your front yard and and having like the lettuce bed over here and stuff, and I was like, I wonder how much stuff it is because your your presentation and everything makes it look like you guys are running on a much bigger plot than that, just because like you yes. have a lot of produce for sale. So that's really impressive that you guys are. Um, like you said, I, I liked your phrase for it, the high rotation crops that you're managing the harvesting and the replanting and stuff on such a close scale, I guess, that you're you're getting this production level despite not having, you know, 20 acres of land or something that you're using. So well done on that. I mean, that's one of the number one comments that we get from people is when they actually see the space that we farm on, they're like, wow, this is it. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, this is it. This is really all we need to produce the amount of product to bring to markets and have for sale. And we're doing a CSA this year. So I think the greenhouse has helped with that um, mm -hmm. as far as create, you know, more space for our product, but also have things that we typically wouldn't have until July and August uh, sooner. So we can give that to our CSA and market customers. That's very cool. I like that you're trying to kind of boost, um, not boost, bump up the, like the harvest date for certain things that would be later in the summer, but you're, you're creatively working around that. So yeah. I know we were, we were saying, you were saying that, you know, you're kind of the flower side, your husband's kind of the produce side of things. So, you know, since you're the farm queen this week, we obviously want to focus on what you do with the farm just a little bit more than the other side. So I, taking a look on your website, came across a couple really interesting things. Um, you mentioned you've got the flower CSA, and I saw something on your website called a bouquet bar that I'm really curious to hear more about. Yeah, so um, the bouquet bar is something that we're offering new this year. Um, I haven't done one just yet, but I have offered it at our Clinton Farmer's Market, where I have a stand, um, sort of like a bucket display that displays, I believe it's 16 or 12 buckets. Um, they're like those tall French style buckets. Um, they look really cute and they hold lots and lots of bouquets. But this year we're offering the bouquet bar 
as kind of an option for people when they host events, you know, if you have a bridal shower or a baby shower or, you know, something for work or, you know, kind of like a team building thing or any kind of party or get together, um, people are able to rent uh, the bouquet bar. We can transport it to their location um, along with any seasonal flowers that I have, obviously, um, instructions on how to um, make a nice bouquet. I also provide the snips and uh, the craft paper sleeves. Um, and they're able to uh, create, you know, your own bouquet and take it home. And it's like a nice little favor to take home um, with you. And uh, I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of like hinting at like bigger projects too. And I haven't quite announced this just yet um, uh, on our social accounts. I've been hinting at it because I just purchased a truck. <laughs> I just got a vintage. It's like a 1969 Chevy C10 truck. It's so cute. I've been looking for a truck for a while because I am planning to do a mobile um, bouquet truck as well. Where people amazing. Make, yeah, where people can make self-serve bouquets out of the truck. And it's light blue and white, um, really cute for photos. So it's a great photo opportunity on top of an opportunity for people to make their own bouquets and have a bit of, you know, a memorable experience. So um, I have to outfit some kind of canopy for it first, but I'm hoping to also offer... Um, like a bouquet bar truck coming this year, if not this year, then definitely next year. So I'm picturing like, you know, you see it in like movies all the time of like people are in New York city or something walking down the street or like one of those big cities where they have like just little markets, like along the sidewalk. And there's like, you can walk yes. through the tent with like buckets of flowers on both sides and you just pick what you want. And it's yes. just like, so that's kind of what your truck is going to be like this magical yeah. little make your own pick a stem here and there kind of can that totally be a thing that you really do and then like explode on social media so that that happens more because I cannot tell you how many times in my life I've mm -hmm. been like why isn't there a thing like that where I live I've been looking for one for a while and in late April um I was actually making flower deliveries and drove past one that was directly across from one of our growing plots. And it was parked in a, you know, like a, a overflow lot of our local uh, tractor company, Clinton Tractor. And I saw it parked there. And um, my husband had sent me a photo of it too, because he had seen it. And I was like, please call them for me, like give them a call. And um, I'm really glad he called when he did, because I guess five other people called right after us and it hadn't been parked there for like 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was like, it was fate that I got the, the truck when I did. Um, and I got it, you know, the next day and, um, <laughs> the, the previous owner came and gave us the spare keys, uh, that Sunday. And, you know, we always joke about naming cars. I don't know why, you know, us humans always have a thing for naming our cars. Um, I guess we just want to give them some kind of identity. But uh, when he handed us the spare keys, it had a little tag on it and it said old blue. And I was like, oh my gosh, we got a car old blue. So I just had a little keychain made on Etsy that says old blue. So <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited to get old blue out there in the world. Yeah, I can totally see this being like, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for, you know, six months from now or something or whenever the timing is that there's going to all yeah. of a sudden be like this new social media account for old blue. Yeah. And it's going to be like a food truck where like you guys tweet where you are. or something. Yeah. I do have to ask, um, especially given that you guys are doing all this on a really small plot of land in comparison to what people typically envision for, you know, quote unquote farms to be. Mm -hmm. What is it that got you guys started on it? And 
I'm, I'm going to call it at like a diehard level on such a small plot. Cause I think a lot of people with your size property would probably start with like, we'll grow for ourselves. And then they would, I think most people would be aiming to like go buy a bigger property and then we'll right. scale up. But you guys instead are just like, Nope, we're just going to go for it. Um, so how did, how did the idea of like, let's start farming, let's start selling this stuff. Where did that come from? So really, I mean, it was almost not even an option for us because right now on Post Street, we're surrounded by farmland. We're surrounded by acres and acres of farmland that's being used for more conventional crops, you know, like the the soybean and the corn. Um, no hate to those farmers, you know, they're doing their own thing. Um, but what we really, you know, resonated with and identify with are the practice practices of, um, you know, market gardening. There's, uh, you know, a few people that we follow JM Fortier up in, in Canada. He's wonderful. Elliot Coleman, um, I love Erin at Florette. I mean, she's just grown le leaps and bounds over the years, even when I started. And now she's, you know, she's got her own series, uh, streaming series. I think it's on Discovery Plus, like through the Magnolia Network. It's just wild, like how these things grow so quickly. But um, when we first started, we only had like a small garden on the side of our house. And that's when we started growing, you know, the typical cherry tomatoes and some lettuces um, and, you know, other other small crops, beans and, you know, just some sunflowers to bring in some pollinators. Um, because we had already established that area, we just added on the front yard because, to be honest, we couldn't we couldn't buy any of the land around us because it was already bought. Nobody was selling any land around us. Right. Um, so we basically were kind of making do with what we had. We're like, all right, well, we have this front yard. We don't have children at the moment. Um, we have a dog, but he, you know, goes on walks with us around the area. Um, and he has a nice backyard out back, but you know, what if we turned this front yard into where we grow a lot of our greens? And at first I was a little nervous because I was like, oh God, like, what are people going to think? And then I was like, you know what? Forget it. Like, I don't care what they think. I think it's really cool. And as soon as we put that silage tarp down, we had some serious rubberneckers. <laughs> coming up our street they're like what are these people doing like what is this giant black tarp with all these sandbags on their front yard and honestly it created I think kind of some indirect like word of mouth because people want to know what the heck you're doing um so we we are renting some land that's around us just because we know the owner of it um just because there's somebody in the community that we knew and they were nice enough to lend, lend it to us. But honestly, I mean, it was, it was unused land. It was full of weeds. I mean, that was a big challenge just getting it established because we have to figure out, okay, like this, this area of the land isn't as well draining as the other part of the land. Like we have to make sure that, you know, maybe we grow some sunflowers at the top. So it sucks up the moisture in the soil better. We should grow this type of crop because it requires a lot of water. So it'll, it'll aid in that process. Um, so honestly, you know, we were kind of forced into getting really creative with where we were growing things because a lot of the area is already occupied by other farmers. Um, we were fortunate enough to find some land over on, um, in Deansboro, like I had mentioned, and that's where we established our greenhouse. So I think eventually we will move everything over to where our greenhouse is. But right now, because we have all of our beds established on these plots where we started, we're going to grow there for another year and then get our other land up and going. So things are more centralized and we don't have to be 
running back and forth, you know, in our <laughs> trunk, like, like mad people. Um, but I mean, it's fun because people are like, Hey, are those tunnels over by 12 B yours? Or I saw all these flowers like growing towards like the end of post street. Like it, they're so beautiful. And it's like, yeah, that's us. That's, that's us. So it's like a, it's like a nice kind of way to get the people to recognize you because all of a sudden you're just like growing, you're growing <laughs> and they want to know what's going on. Right. Now, let me ask, you might've mentioned this already and I might've just missed it. In total between, I'll call it your home property where you have the established beds and the greenhouse property, how much is that all together that you're working with? So it's, I know for sure it's less than two acres. Okay. You did say that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I would, I, I think a better estimate is about one and a half acres. Okay. I wasn't sure if like the, if that number before I I was thinking that was your home and then you were renting additional past that. So I just wanted to clarify that. Gotcha. It's funny Mm -hmm. when people see our plots, they're literally like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's all you guys need. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if, if maybe if we had some larger markets in the area, we would grow on more land or, or even expand onto the land that we already have. But what we're doing is good for, you know, the number of people that we have and the markets that we serve. Right. So you're doing a good job matching your, your business size to your customer base, I guess we'll say. Yeah. Um, exactly. I did want to, I did want to ask as far as the, the flowers go, you said something that it was kind of something I was kind of thinking anyway, um, that you mentioned like people would be driving by and say, oh, those flowers down there, they're beautiful. Are those yours? And of course they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between the fact that you've got like the bouquet bar, you've got the flower CSA, you said you're doing a wedding, like you're doing a whole lot with this floral side of the business. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that has actually been a boost to help the produce side of the business? 100% it has. Um, I That was my reasoning for incorporating flowers in the first place because it would be a value add to our farm um I knew because I was still maintaining my full-time job that I wouldn't be able to give as much time as my husband does to the produce so that's why I do it on a smaller scale but Mm -hmm. I'm still able to bring you know a lot of flowers to the markets I'm able to put gladiolas on our roadside stand. I'm able to service events. Um, I'm able to do a, you know, be more flexible in the offerings. And I think it's, it's really helped us um, not only, you know, having that flower patch at the end of our street, but um, having them at the markets, they're so eye grabbing. I mean, the colors, especially the gladiolas when they're you know, in season and all the beautiful zinnias and dahlias and everything that has nice bright colors or palettes that people are looking for. I mean, even the peonies that we sold at our market uh, yesterday, people come over just to see the peonies and then they're like, oh, and you have this lettuce mix and you have eggs and you have sprouts. Oh, like this is perfect. I can have dinner tonight and have beautiful flowers for the table and you know, I'm set. (laughs) So, um, I think they've definitely helped and it's, it's helped our sales. It's helped our marketing, um, because our social accounts are a balance of both. You know, it's easy to put beautiful flower pictures for every single post, but it's a mix on our, uh, social accounts to highlight everything that we offer. And um, I think that's definitely helped us and give us an advantage at the markets. Yeah, I think you're praying off of the, uh, I say this affectionately, you're praying on the normal human tendency to be like, ooh, pretty flowers. So that's very cool that you you noticed that and you leaned into it. It's value add and it's also helping the other half of the business too, which is very cool. Yes. I do want to ask about um, your growing practices that you guys are, like we mentioned, you follow organic principles, but you are not organic certified. And I am curious as to how that might be different, um, really for the flowers in particular, because I know like obviously one of the biggest concerns as a flower farmer is that you don't want to have the petals get eaten up and the leaves and stuff, because it certainly does not make for a very pretty wedding bouquet as an example if you have a bunch of like bug (laughs) holes in the leaves and stuff and so it sounds like 
you know, kind of following the organic principles sounds like that might actually make it a heck of a lot trickier than it needs to be. We are not organic certified. We are looking into it. We, I mean, to be honest, because we are just starting, we just haven't gotten around to looking into the full certification process. I think we're on that path. Um, but in the meantime, we do grow um, everything with organic practices in mind. Um, we don't use any kind of chemical. Um, and yeah, that does come with, you know, a lot of different pressures. We, we get a lot of weed pressure because our land is new. Um, it's not heavily cultivated. So uh, we'll get a lot of weeds. So we do spend a lot of time hoeing and we use a lot of different tools uh, that we've learned. We've taken the uh, market gardeners uh, masterclass and that's helped us a lot learn uh, different practices as far as um, you know organically like trying to keep pests away and weeds and manage everything. Uh, we use a lot of row cover. That's one of our huge um, most utilized tools on the farm is row cover. We use it on um, to cover our arugula and our bok choy. So flea beetles don't put little tiny holes into the leaves because people don't really want to eat lettuce that looks right. like it's already been <laughs> munched on. <laughs> right. Um, but I also use it to cover my sunflowers initially so the rabbits don't eat them or the birds. Um, we use a lot of sand, there's a lot of sandbag lifting, um, but a lot of row cover and a lot of silage tarps to kill off any kind of cover crop that we put down or weeds, um, to help compost those weeds and disintegrate them into the soil. Um, so we're not using any kind of chemical to kill off our row or I'm sorry, our cover crop or anything like that. Um, with flowers, it does pose a challenge too. like, uh, in July when the Japanese, uh, beetles come to town and they want to munch on my zinnia leaves and zinnia buds. Um, initially, you know, it's, it's, it's just a lot of kind of going, um, manual work of taking them off of the plants. Um, literally with my hand in a glove and throwing them into a bowl of soapy water. And I know that may sound sad, but man, they just come in troves mm -hmm. <laughs> and clumps and just sit on those zinnias, but eventually they go away. Um, and I forget where I read it, but it's like, if, if something isn't trying to eat what you're growing, then you're not a part of the environment or the ecosystem around you. And, uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's just so fun. And the bees, the bees come out like crazy for my flowers. And I love that. Like if I have sunflowers that are too large or too thick in the stem for bouquets, I'll just leave them because I want to leave, um, some of the flowers behind for the pollinators. Cause I know they enjoy them. And once the sunflowers go to seed, then the birds love to eat them, um, and it kind of deters them from like the rest of like the flowers that I'm trying to cut from. I really like how you, you kind of keep that in mind too, as you're doing what you're doing that, you know, like you said, if it's not a, I'll call it a good enough, you know, a, a good enough specimen for a, for a bouquet use, then you're putting it back into the, as you called it, the ecosystem around you. I think that's a really interesting thought that I think a lot of people would probably just like, well, we'll cut it and we'll sell it as a loose stem and you know, yeah. you, can, you can kind of like, you may as well get paid something for it because it grew. And so you're kind of giving up that opportunity sometimes to say, you know, instead of giving people maybe, and I mean, like a sunflower is a sunflower. So is there really such a thing as subpar, but <laughs> you're kind of, instead of, instead of saying like, well, maybe I'll sell this one as a, you know, a dollar off, you know, cheaper stem or something like I will, right. I will instead nourish the area around me because, you know, to your point, yeah, if you can keep like the pollinators happy, they're going to keep coming back. And that obviously helps what you're doing in the long run. And also two people are going to drive by and they're going to see, you know, some sunflowers, because that's the thing about <laughs> a cut flower garden is that it's not 
a display garden. So most of the time you're going to see a lot of green because I'm trying to harvest as many flowers as possible. That's a good, good tactic. I hope anybody listening that's flower farmer is like, ah, don't harvest all of them. So people know you're there. (laughs) I love how much you guys are doing on such a small space because you, you talk about what you're doing the same way as anybody who's got you know, like we said, like 20 acres or something that they're working with. Mm-hmm. And so it's, to me, it's, it's very clear that you guys are pouring an equal amount of heart and soul into this as far as, you know, if not more, because you're doing it in a, a much trickier situation. So I applaud you right. guys for that, for figuring out these logistics and, and kind of like really getting in and understanding, you know, the, the dirt you're using and understanding and kind of the rotations and the systems, you know, succession planting, all of that. That's, it's an undertaking and a half right there. I want to know more about, if you would, I see on your website, you have these local businesses you're partnered with. So yes, what exactly are you partnering with them for and how did that come about? So um, I actually reached out to a lot of our, because I love working with our local businesses. Uh, we've worked with different um, restaurants and shops in the past on different capacities. Um, we've provided greens to North Star Orchards. Um, previously, when the compound was in Clinton, we provided greens to them for their sandwiches and sprouts and flowers for their tables. Um, but this year, I'm really excited, and I haven't quite announced it yet because my flowers aren't ready, but Um, In July, I'm partnering with Utica Coffee, and I'm going to be having my flower bouquets in both the Utica and Clinton Utica Coffee locations. Um, Really excited. (laughs) Thanks. Really excited about that. And then our friends in Hamilton, um, Brady and Brendan, who run Flower and Salt, um, and Martha's on Madison. Um, we are partnering with them um, to also have flower bouquets in their bakery. And we've also partnered with Martha's on Madison for their um, like their different sandwich specials. We've had our sprouts there um, and our greens as well um, and different other salad greens and stuff for their sandwiches. And Uh, We just love working with other local businesses. We have a really great relationship with them. It's really helped us kind of get on the map too, because then they post about our products being, you know, a part of their business and um, we use their products too all the time. I mean, we are frequent flyers at Utica Coffee. When we do the Hamilton market, I always make sure to stop into flour and salt because they have wonderful bagel sandwiches and coffee as well. And um, we just love sourcing and feeding off of the energy around our community um, because we have so much going on and why not partner up? And I love that they, you know, have taken the chance with us on these partnerships and um you know, look, we, we're always looking for other ones too. So it's very exciting. <laughs> that is very exciting. And I, I love you mentioned like the bakery that I'm like immediately picturing, like, I don't know. It makes me think of like France of like, you go in and you get your yeah. fresh loaf of bread and you have flowers in your elbow as you carry home, you know? And it's like, yes. Oh my God. Like the world needs more of that. Yeah. How much more peaceful would everybody be if you could just come home with like the delicious smell of fresh baked bread Yes. your nose and these beautiful flowers for like your kitchen windowsill or something how much does it complicate your efforts because like you guys obviously do a few markets and so you're busy with that mm-hmm. um but as far as like kind of managing what you're growing for you know we we want to have like x amount of whatever produce for the market and then managing like oh we also need to have extra to kind of like I'm imagining fill, like you mentioned, like sprouts for some of the sandwiches and stuff. So like kind of filling those orders and then filling the market demand. And how does that, um, how does that like sit with you? I don't know what the right way to say it is like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds like a lot to manage. Um, it's, I'm really organized and um, my husband, John is also really organized in his crop planning. Um, he has a whole crop planning spreadsheet uh, where he blocks out, you know, what, what's going where and how much of it and how many seedlings does he have to keep oh, nice. on 
producing. Yeah. So we're really paying attention to that. I'm paying attention to the flowers that I grow, the seeds that I buy. Um, I got new plugs this year for Lysianthus, you know, trying out some like new varieties that I've seen other people do that they've had really great success with, but knowing that because I'm expanding my business that I also should be taking a chance to expand how I'm going to be selling the product too. Cause that's, you know, you could grow all the things in the world, but you got to find a way to sell them too. Um, so I think that's where one of my strengths are is just finding the, the sales outlets, um, and really making sure that we have a nice full bounty, um, that we can offer and have that flexibility. So, you know, you don't have enough to do already. really. <laughs> and I, I know we were talking offline about a committee that you're going to be on. Yeah. Right? So could you tell us about that? Sure. So um, this year I was asked to be a part of the Oneida County Cooperative Extensions um, Committee of Growers. Uh, we're going to be meeting pretty, I want to say pretty infrequently at first. Um, there's only a, about a handful of meetings a year, but the fact that I was even asked to be on the committee was just super flattering. Um you know, I think a lot of, there were a lot of male representatives and people across all different types of agriculture, agriculture businesses. And, you know, I'm a new farmer, like I had mentioned. Um, I do flowers primarily, um, but I also help with the produce, but I feel like I'm getting so much knowledge and it's, it's great because, you know, in a world where people are so quick to have imposter syndrome and think like, I'm not worthy, you know, why, why am I doing this? It's really, you know, it feels really good to be asked to be a part of something because it means you're being recognized by other people. Um, and that's why this nomination was so nice too, because I'm being recognized by uh, somebody else who admires me and the work that I do. And so I get to contribute to this committee as well. And I'm really looking forward to our first meeting this summer. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. We obviously have got to know how did it feel when you were nominated with the crown this week? Um, it was very flattering because like I've mentioned, I'm still very new. Um, I'm only you know, into our third year of market farming. Um, and I was very flattered because I know a lot of the women that have been nominated before have been doing this for a very long time in different areas. And I've seen the hard work and dedication that it takes to be successful, but it's also very, um, it's very encouraging and, and I love seeing that how they've made this into, you know, how they've incorporated it into their lives and made it their livelihood. Um, it was just really flattering. I mean, it's, it's so great, you know, to have other people lift you up, but when, you know, other women, especially in agriculture, lift you up, it feels especially um, honorable because, you know, everybody's, you know, watching what everyone else is doing, but this is just in such like a, a positive light that it, it just felt really good. Yeah. The goal is definitely not to be comparing, but to be, um, what's the word spotlighting what right. it is that, that these women are doing and met a couple of Queens in your area. And we've heard it before that you guys have this really nice little pocket of like super supportive, like women in agriculture, your own little kind of community yeah. going on there. That's not exactly the norm. Um, but is it still maybe the case that there are some misconceptions about women in agriculture that you have still been exposed to in the course of your journey? Yeah, I think there's a lot of you know, everybody has their own path. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions of like, you know, I chose flowers because flowers are inherently feminine and, you know, oh, that makes sense. You're doing the flowers because you're the woman in the partnership and, you know, that's what you do. But like, I feel like I get my hands pretty dirty too. And, uh, you know, I've, cleaned eggs with chicken poop on them. I've <laughs> you know, gotten my hands pretty dirty in the soil. I've 
been covered in mud before. Our first year of farming was very wet. So I feel like I was constantly covered in mud. Um, I've spent, you know, late nights doing things and not just like being a homemaker. I mean, I do support in that area, but that's because I choose to, and I, I love to do that. Um, but I feel like, yeah, there, there is kind of some misconceptions of just like, you know, this isn't really like a women's place to be. Um, and that's not true at all because, um, like you said, like our market is just like such a nice little community and it's full of women in agriculture and it ranges from, you know, the meat and dairy to produce and flowers. And, um, I'm really good friends with the Shaw's who do maple syrup and they're wonderful people too. And, you know, there's a lot of women working on their operation. So, um, I think we have kind of a special area, but I wish it wasn't so special because it should be normalized. I mean, there's so many women running this business. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, it's just our area is, is powered by women and I love that. <laughs> no, that's a really great, I love that you said the, you know, you wish it wasn't such a, a rarity, but yeah, right. hopefully over time it'll change. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of women. And I think a lot of women too, are the faces of the company. There's a lot of, um, a lot of men working alongside them, but the women are the ones that you see, like they're the ones out there at the markets, like standing in the 90 degree heat when, you know, maybe there aren't a ton of customers, but they're still out there, um, you know, trying to get every dollar they can, um, you know, hosting different events, trying to any doing anything they can to make their farm profitable or their operation profitable. And I mean, that's not to downplay anything that the guys are doing. I'm sure they're working just as hard, but men, I mean, or <laughs> man, these women are working hard. <laughs> right. Don't you hate that phrase? There's just no way to change it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, oh, shucks. <laughs> That's okay. We all know what you mean. We'll let, yes. uh, we'll let the English language be what it is. Yeah, exactly. So, um, we didn't really get into this earlier. I know we, we talked about it a bit offline, but as far as you are kind of the face of your farm, when you go to markets, that kind of thing, you did mention like you take the time off to go and be the face of the farm for them. If you could just have your little soapbox and talk to any of those customers, what is it that you would like the one thing that you wish they knew about your life as a farm woman? Um, that, oh gosh, I mean, I think a lot of people are so quick to complain about the prices of things. I hate, I mean we pay attention to market trends and I especially pay attention to market trends and flowers are not cheap and, you know, they're not cheap to grow while this, some seeds may be not all of them are. I mean, dahlia tubers are very expensive. It takes a lot of work to, you know, dig them up to save them over winter. We put a lot of work into what we do so we want to be paired, paid fairly, um, you know, to justify that work and to support it so we can keep on going. Um, and I just, I mean, it's, it's really disheartening when people, you know, complain um, about the prices of things. I think that's one of the most difficult things or challenges that I find. Um, but also too, it's, I get sometimes like people are like, oh, you grew this. I was like, yes, of course I grew this. <laughs> right. Like, Where else would have it come from? You know, it's like, they're like almost in disbelief, but like sometimes not always like in a positive way, they're like questioning you. Right. Um, it's like, well, why, why would I put this product out there? Of course I grew this. Like, that's why I'm putting it in front of you. And, um, I've always been a very anxious person. Um, and I think the the pandemic really spiked that for me. Um, and 
getting into the market right after the pandemic, I was just, you know, my fight or flight was like on max and Mm -hmm. to be in front of people, it was like, you know, a big thing for me. And when they, you know, I think one of the things I was worried about is because we were such a new operation that we would be heavily criticized and we were met with a lot of positivity, but there was, you know, there's some negativity along the way, but it's like, I wish I could just like shake them and tell you like, the reason why these radishes don't look so good this week is because we've had this and this and this happened. <laughs> it's like, right. please just move on. Just don't tell me about what you think about this. And, you know, but you can't because, you know, you're, you're customer facing and also respectful, <laughs> but right. not mm-hmm. everybody coming to you is in return and that's okay. I mean, that's just how the world works sometimes, but, but yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely some challenges. <laughs> I mean, it does sound like a good opportunity to, you know, kind of have those moments of the the conversations though, where, where people say like, oh, well, these radishes don't look good. And it's like, well, let me tell you about what they do for grocery store food. And, you know, yes. like there is, I think there's definitely some of that, that, you know, you get like the old diehards that have been going to markets for their produce, if not growing their own for so many years that they're like, whatever, I don't care about a couple of like, you know, bug nibbles on the leaves or whatever. And then right. you get the people that are like, if this apple isn't perfectly round and evenly colored, and if this radish isn't like a perfect sphere, then you're not a good enough farmer. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's not, produce isn't always perfect. And it's really hard because people are so used to seeing stuff like in our grocery like in Hannaford that's our local grocery store like we can't stress enough like how much better this produce that we're selling is better than what you're going to get in your local grocery store and yeah Mm -hmm. sometimes it may look different because that's how it should be growing and not how it's presented at the grocery store and a lot of people too also expect you to have certain things year round or all season. And it's also really hard to explain like, yeah, we're going to have spinach, but once, you know, July, August runs, comes around, like the heat really doesn't go well with spinach because the flavor isn't really there. It bolts faster. Um, and we want to give you this prop, this bland leaf, and sell that to you because we want you to come back and remember all that spinach was so good, but spinach season is fleeting. And unfortunately we don't have spinach year round, like, you know, a a grocery store would. So kind of having that understanding that disconnect between grocery stores and local growers, it's like, this is what's in season. Um, We're giving you the best of what we have in season and we wouldn't withhold a product from you just because, you know, we, you know, it's not growing the way that we want it to. Like it's, we're putting what we have that's best. And um, yeah, that's, that's really difficult for us is to kind of recognize we're not, we're not a grocery store. We have uh, what's in season and and we're going to put that out at market. Well said. I hope everybody heard that and remembers it, that farms are not grocery stores. And sometimes you have to deal with things are going to look different. Things are not going to be available 24 seven. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of that that is, is very much lost in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to, uh, you know, predict too, when things are going to be ready, like, oh, we had your carrots last year. When are your carrots going to be ready? And, you know, right. <laughs> we do our best guess of, oh, our, they're growing and, you know, but they're not big right now. So we're not going to just bring baby carrots to every market. We want to have nice long carrots that, you know, people will be thrilled to take home. And I know you love them, but come back when, when we got them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well said on that. So before we forget, I do want to have you tell us where people can find you and follow along, like your social media, your website, that sort of stuff. 
So um, the best way to find us is on Facebook. We're on Facebook as Post Street Farm. And then on Instagram at Post ST Farm. So the abbreviated version of street. Um, Mm -hmm. We post, I mean, I I run our social media accounts. So I can tell you, we try to post daily, at least onto Instagram. Um, I post a lot of updates in our Instagram stories. Um, I post our, what I call the fresh list, uh, everything that we'll have available at market um, every morning, if not the night before our markets on Thursdays and Saturdays, uh, all our fun, you know, event related flowers can be found on poststreetfarm.com and that's poststfarm.com. And we're of course, keeping an eye out for old blue whenever that makes yes. sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been debating having its own Instagram account and the fact that you had mentioned it having its own Instagram account, I think is really helping me lean towards having its own kind of side project Instagram. So the very last thing to kind of close us out as we ask everybody, if you could give us something for the the women listening, um, whether they're just starting farming, whether they're hoping to be a farm queen in the future or they just need some encouragement or whatever, something inspirational or motivational or whatever it might be, what would you say to them? I would say, don't be afraid to start small. That's what we did. Um, You don't need to be a huge farm to be successful. um, And you don't need to be a super experienced farmer to be successful. Um, We learned from online classes and YouTube videos and some books And you just got to figure it out, get your hands dirty and figure out things as you go along. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of challenges along the way, um, but the successes and, you know, just seeing your customer spaces make it all worth it. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support our podcast by clicking the link in the description, by subscribing through your favorite podcast app and by following us on your favorite social media platform. 